But John 21 is this morning's passage. Let me pray before we read the word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this gospel. We thank you for John, and we thank you for his recording of this event that we're going to look at this morning. We thank you that Jesus resurrected from the dead, that he appeared multiple times to his disciples for multiple reasons, but mainly just to let them know and reassure them that he has not gone anywhere. Oh God, would your Holy Spirit comfort us today by the power of your word? Would it instruct us? Would it guide us? Would it train us? Teach us? Most of all, would we be moved to worship? Would we be moved to song and joy and exuberation that we have a king that loves us enough to feed us physically, spiritually, emotionally every day? In Christ, and we pray. Amen. John 21, we're going to look at the first 14 verses this morning. This is God's Word. He's kept it for us all these years that we might read it together this morning. Pray that it will be an encouragement to your soul, that you would have eyes to see it and ears to hear that God loves you this morning. Hear His Word for you. After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And He revealed Himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off fire in place and fish laid out on it and bread and Jesus said to them bring some of the fish that you've just caught so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish 153 of them and although there were so many the net was not torn and Jesus said to them come and have breakfast now none of the disciples dared ask him who are you They knew it was the Lord. 
Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Blessed be the reading of God's word. So breakfast with King Jesus. Just want to ask you a few questions to start this morning. Are you unsure of where you are today? Most of you are like, no Dave, I know I'm at church. I have my nice clothes on, I have my Bible. But seriously, are you sure where God has you in life right now? Are you confident in what you're doing? Maybe a better question is, are you sometimes unsure of what God has called you to do? Are you sometimes unsure of what God has called you to suffer with or to struggle against in this life? I think today's passage is a great reminder that there is a resurrected King, King Jesus, and that He's alive and He's living, and He's always praying for us. He's continually caring for us, preparing for us, and providing for us. And it's always exactly what we need. Oftentimes, Jesus lavishes grace upon us in such ways that we don't understand. Oftentimes we are given so much more than we could ever imagine. I think when we open our eyes and our ears and realize that it's this King Jesus, that it's this Jesus who is with us and for us in all things, we'll not only be moved to repentance and obedience, but we'll be moved to worship. We'll be moved to delight. We'll be moved to songs of praise. Rejoicing in His love. Are you unsure where you're at today? Are you unsure what you're supposed to be doing? Sure, we all have those moments. I want to encourage you in three ways this morning from God's Word. That The first is that Jesus instructs us and cares for us instructs us and cares for us. How does he do that? He does that by giving us his word, his powerful, his preserving, and his perfect word. I believe that God's word is powerful. He created all things out of nothing by the power of his word. His word is preserving. Everything is held together by God's word. And it's perfect. God's word is what makes us perfect. You understand that? By the power of his word, we are given salvation. God's word is holy because it's from God. It's breathed out for us to instruct us, to care for us. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this about the God whose word we're talking about. 
In his sight, all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature. So as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. He is the most holy in all of his counsels, in all of his work, in all of his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience. He is pleased to require of them. This is the God I'm talking about. A God that's infallible. A God that is 100% certain. A God that when he commands us to do something, there's no wrong in it. Even when he's commanding us how to fish. That's a pretty cool God. Our passage today is very similar to another passage in Luke's gospel. If you have your Bibles open or if you have a device, click on Luke. Flip over to Luke chapter 5. Luke's gospel tells us about a different day in the life of Peter, James, John, and Jesus. It tells us the story of Jesus calling his disciples. John 21 is a day where Jesus reveals himself to his disciples after his death and his resurrection for the third time. But I think one of the cool things about looking at these two passages is, although there are some similarities, there's one thing That's constant in both stories. That is that Jesus is and will continue to prepare the way for those that he calls. Let me just read out of Luke 5. Verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put on, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. 
We're going to take a little bit of time this morning and compare these two texts. I hope that you will see that Peter has grown tremendously in in, uh, John chapter 21. I think Peter has realized that just because God's word is authoritative and it is holy, that he doesn't have to be afraid of it. He... Just because he, at first he was so fearful of God's holiness that he thought he was going to die. That's how close he was to God and the power of God. He was amazed by it. But now he understands it. it's still just as amazing, just as powerful, but that Jesus cares for him. That Jesus cares for him and that his word is useful beyond our wildest dreams. You see, in this first calling, in Luke, Peter, James, and John have fished all night. They've caught nothing. And Jesus told them to let down their nets. Throw it out on the other side. And Peter's like, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught a thing. Okay, but if you say so, I'll do it. Right? He was doubting. He... It wasn't, it wasn't, he was like, I don't know why this guy wants me to do this. And then their nets were so full that he had to call another boat in. They caught so many fish that it sunk two boats. That's a fish story of the highest order, right? Two boats full of fish. I'd have been scared to death too. Peter was astonished. He was, he was sure of who Jesus was at that moment. He said, I must flee your presence. You are holy. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just come and follow me. I will meet all of your needs. I will care for you. I will provide for you. By the power of my word, trust me. So he left everything and he followed Jesus. He fast forward three years. Jesus is on shore. Now he's watching Peter and James and John and the rest as they went fishing again to no avail. They must have been pretty bad fishermen. right? Two nights of not catching anything. I mean, I've had those nights before. And I don't know about you, if you've ever gone out fishing all night long, and not caught anything, you get really hungry. I mean, really hungry, especially about 1 o'clock in the morning, you haven't caught a fish, you've been out there fishing pretty hard, you start thinking to yourself, man, well, if you were my dad, you would think to yourself, if I had a can of Vienna sausages and a pack of crackers, (laughs) I would be in heaven. So, They were out fishing. Jesus was watching them fish. He knew they hadn't caught anything, but he said, Hey, children, have you caught any fish? No. There wasn't any grumbling this time. There wasn't any complaining about, Well, if you say so, I'll throw it on the other side. Jesus said, Well, why don't you throw it out on the other side? They instantly threw it out. They instantly followed the instruction. They they must have known by the sound of his voice. Who it was. They said they didn't know who it was for sure. They didn't know who it was, but I think they knew it was somebody they could trust. They may not have known it was Jesus. 
But the voice must have been trusting enough to do what it said. They hauled in 153 fish, and it didn't break their nets. 153 large fish. For me, a large fish is about this big. I don't know about you guys. I don't know. It could have been from here to the wall. Large. The net doesn't break. Instantly, they know. Peter had taken off his outer gown. I guess he was just in his, in his I don't want to guess what he was in. He was in his working clothes, it says. He knew it was Jesus. He clothed himself and dives off the front of the boat and swims to Jesus. The power of God's word. It's able to instruct us. It's, when we obey it, it has the power to care for us in ways that we can't understand. His word is powerful. It preserves us. It gives us salvation. It is perfect. Jesus, I think, was assuring his disciples, I haven't gone anywhere. I've I've died. I've resurrected. But I'm not far from you. You can still trust me just as I'm entrusting you with the greatest mission that we've ever had. Jesus instructs us and cares for us by his powerful, preserving, and perfect word. We forget this, don't we? We'll walk out of here and Monday morning we'll hit and we'll forget this reality. Even if we could have been a witness to Jesus' perfect life, even if we would have been a witness to the arrest of Jesus, even if we would have been a witness to the beatings and His crucifixion and His death, even if we had have gone to the empty tomb, We'd be like the disciples. We'd forget the truth that Jesus instructs us and cares for us by the power of His Word. If nothing else, the whole book of John, I think, is a great reminder for us of just how powerful God's Word is. You just race through the book of of John. John 1, uh, it talks about the Word. John 2 is Jesus turning water into wine. John 3, he shares with Nicodemus that he needs a new nature now. John 4, he met with the woman at the well, offering her living water. And on and on it goes with his I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And yet... When we quit thinking about Jesus for just a little bit, we start to doubt that his word is true. We start to doubt where we are in life. We start to doubt if we're able to go on, if we're able to do it, if we're able to survive this circumstance. And we forget to open this book up. And to hear his instructions. To hear his care for us by the power of this word. I think the disciples had been in such a case. They were kind of standing around and they said, what are we going to do? Peter said, I'm going fishing. Jesus ain't here. I'm out of here. 
The rest of the guys went with him. Now our text is sort of like a cutaway movie. I don't know if you've watched those movies where they keep cutting back to this scene, future, present. You know, you're here now, but this was 10 years ago. This is 50 years from now. Movie cutaway scene. What do I mean? Well, if you look at verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias as he revealed himself in this way. So it's almost as if uh, John is setting us up saying, Hey, this is what's about to happen. And then we cut to what was happening. And then we cut back to uh, what Jesus was doing. So Jesus revealed himself. Now I'm not sure how you were raised, but I was raised to love fishing. So this is not a condemnation about going fishing, right? But I was also raised by my uh, uncle who swore that you were never allowed to go fishing on Sundays. Sundays were off limits, right? I don't know, maybe that, maybe you didn't... weren't raised that way. So we were scared to death as boys because I lived about from here to the parking lot from a river. And I could go fishing on a moment's notice. And some days I'd find myself fishing on Sunday afternoon. I'd be looking over my shoulder making sure my uncle (laughs) wasn't watching. He says, you won't catch anything. So I don't know if Peter was always fishing on Sunday afternoons or what, but... but, uh, Jesus was watching them fish. I think one thing that you see out of this isn't whether you should fish on Sunday or not fish on Sunday. I think one thing that you see is is it's so easy to go back to what's comfortable. It's so easy to walk away from Jesus and just go back to what you know. Nothing wrong with going fishing. I love fishing. I think it's a matter of a heart. No matter what you're doing in life, whether you're teaching, whether you're being a mom, whether you're being a dad, whether you're uh, doing whatever profession God's called you to do, what's going on inside? You see, I think if what you're doing whether it's recreation or whether it's work, if what you're doing, if you're doing it as a form of escapism, if you're running away to do something, then you're really not running away. You're really trapped. What do I mean? The very thing that you're running to, whether it's going fishing whether it's going to Disney World, whether it's going to the beach, whether it's going on a cruise, whether it's going here or there, whether it's going to work. We all have different forms of escape, but we're really not escaping. That very thing that we're running to, the very thing that we think that is going to be our escape and give us freedom is the idol that we're chained to. Because it's not going to give you freedom. It's not going to give you the happiness. It's not going to give you the community that your soul longs for. Unless you're living for Christ. If you're living for it, it's got you chained. 
If you're living for Christ, it'll set you free. You see, Jesus knew Peter and James and John. He knew that they would be fishing. And by the power of his word, he, he told them to come in here, have breakfast with me. He was caring for them. He had, he had not left them. He had not forsaken them. You see, God has called all of us to do something in here. I don't care if you're retired or re-retired or going to retire to retire. God's called you to do something. He's given you a life with purpose. He's written you into his story. But how's your heart? Are you begrudgingly doing it just because, well, this is what I do every day, so I've got to go do this. Are you just doing it because it's your duty? Are you doing it because you can't be idle? And it's, if you don't do this, you feel trapped? How are you approaching your calling? I hope you're approaching it as an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ where He has called you, to hear His instructions, to revel in His care for you. Look at how Jesus instructs and cares for his disciples' physical need. Verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And he said to them, do you have any fish? They said, no. He said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. They cast it. Now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. He is all things. To us. Jesus is king. He has the power. He has the authority. He has the dominion. Everything he commands will come to pass. Not only does God's word instruct us and care for us and provide for us. He does it in a servant hearted manner. That only King Jesus could do. That only He could imagine and create. Jesus provides for us in grace-filled, loving ways. As a servant-hearted. Do you understand that? I mean, that should just move you to do things that no one else on this earth can do. Because you have a king. A king who has all power and authority and control. A king who is present. And He says to you, I love you, and I want to serve you. I want to meet all of your needs and surpass them. I think we see this in a couple places in this passage. One, in that Jesus reveals himself at all to his disciples. He's serving them by saying, I'm present, I'm here. Two, he commands them so that they might catch a lot of fish. That may seem silly. But if your life source is a fisherman, catching a lot of fish is a good thing. We, my family and I, like I said, love to fish. The Saturday before Easter, we went fishing down on a creek that we have some property in Wachula where we grew up. And about five or six of us were fishing, and I think we caught over 100 fish. 100 fish. We kept 44 fish. That means I cleaned 44 fish by myself because nobody else cleans fish. But that's 82 fillets. And I kept three 
uh, brim whole. 82 fish fillets. That's a lot of fish. That's a lot of food. In our story, God provided almost double that. King Jesus doesn't just provide grace for us. He lavishes it on us. He overwhelms us with his goodness. Listen to this. Not only does he provide fish for them, he says, you don't have to clean it. Just come over here. I've already got breakfast made. What? I don't know about you. Have you ever cleaned fish? Let me see a show of hands. Who's cleaned fish? All right. It's, it's easy, right? Just not messy, don't, no slime, no, yeah. It's just, you know, it's like going to, going to Walmart, grocery store, just Publix, pull it out, throw it in the frying pan. It's all, it's all good. Jesus didn't make them clean the fish. I don't know if you understand the, that level of graciousness. Maybe you've never had anyone do that for you. Jesus said, uh, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. King Jesus the one who created all things by the power of his word, the one who died on a cross for them, the one who resurrected, the one who is walking around in a glorified body, appearing and not appearing. So come have breakfast with me. I did a funeral for a friend a few weeks ago. He was about 40 years older than me. He was a retired educator, former Lake County principal, I talked with his wife for about a year and a half, the last year of her teaching career, and they adopted Kieran and I as their kids. Um, When our kids were born, they would buy books for them. They gave us a subscription to that little magazine that you see in doctor's offices. Uh, It just showed up in the mail. And... um, the, the first night of school every year, they'd fix us dinner and invite us over because they didn't want Karen to have to cook. So, I'll probably cry. Sorry. Ah. Anyway, Skip, my friend Skip would always pray at the meal and we'd all be gathered around. And be, sometimes they'd have two or three other teacher friends and it'd be really quiet. And he'd say, let's pray. And he'd say, hey, Lord! (laughs) Everybody would just kind of wake up, you know, and like his wife, Dottie, would be like, skipper. And uh, Skip loved the Lord. I mean, he, he was always asking questions. Well, if the Bible says this, what does this mean? If, if Jesus is like this, why, why, are, why do I live like this? He loved to fish. 
he, he would always take me fishing over at uh, Mosquito Lagoon on the East Coast in Brevard County. And he loved catching big sea trout on plastic baits. And so did I. But Skipper's the only person that I've ever gone fishing with. Who he'd, he'd call me up during the week. I'd be working, going here and there, everywhere. And you'd know it would be Skipper. He said, hey, what are you doing on Thursday? I was like, well, I'm probably going to work. He goes, nope. I, he goes, be at my house at 5 o'clock. We're going fishing. I said, okay. And then he hang up. <laughs> so I'd show up at his house at 5 o'clock. There'd be a breakfast sandwich, bacon, egg, cheese sandwich fixed with a glass of fresh squeezed orange juice in the console. My father-in-law, Bill Mulkey, does the same thing. Anytime I go hunting with him, he's always got breakfast fixed in the truck ready to go. So I have to give him some credit when he's my hunting buddy that does that for me. But what kind of servant-hearted lavishing is that? What kind of servant-hearted lavishing is that? Why would somebody do that for me? I don't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn those sacrifices, getting up an extra 30 minutes early. Yet here people are loving me like Christ loved his disciples. Are you approaching life that way? I want you to ask yourself this question. Even write it down. Are you looking to show people that Jesus is willing and able to graciously meet and accept their needs? Is that how you're living today? Is that how you treat your coworkers? Is that how you treat your spouse? Is that how you treat the people that sit to the left and right of at church? Are you living in such a way that when they get they walk away from you, they say, that person is living in such a gracious way. And they have shown me the love of Jesus in such a way that I know that Jesus is alive and able to meet me where I am. Last thing I want to share with you is when we are in Jesus' presence, He is known. And so are we. Look at verse 4 again. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. But when Jesus said to them, do you have any fish? And they answered him. He said to them, cast the net. And then skip down to verse 7. The disciple whom Jesus loved. John, using a little author humor there. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put out his outer garment, he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And then down in verse 12, 13. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. How many people do you pass by every week? How many people do you walk by every week? 
that are starving to meet someone like Jesus. who they are. You pray for them. But have you told them? Have you told them that Jesus is wanting to feed them? Have you told them that that Jesus doesn't just want to feed his sheep physically, but spiritually? Have you told them that Jesus knows what the deepest desires of their soul is? And it's him. see, Jesus came to make things right with Peter. So Peter would know that he was loved. That, he, that, that Peter would know that he's able to do what God has called him to do. And it's not to be a great fisherman. You see, in the first story, Peter was saying, Go away, Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm not worthy. Maybe that's you today. Maybe when you hear about this good Jesus, maybe when you hear about this Jesus that is so great and and wants to love you and wants to care for you, just say, go away, Lord. You don't want to know me. I can't be in your presence. You're too good. But here in the story we're looking at today, Peter saw the Lord and he jumped out of the boat to run to Jesus, to swim to Jesus because he had learned that Jesus' word was so powerful. He knew that Jesus' word was so caring and that Jesus would graciously love him. And he also knew that Jesus was there. He knew that Jesus was present Peter knew that Jesus was present and he knew Jesus and he knew that he was known. And he knew that even though he was known, he was loved. The rest of the chapter, Jesus will ask Peter three different times, do you love me? Peter will answer, yes. Jesus instructs and cares for Peter by saying, if you love me, feed my sheep. Here's the good news for us. Even after Peter denied Christ three times, Christ comes to Peter. Even after Peter says, I don't know him, Jesus says, I know you. He doesn't just say, Hey, I know that guy. He goes to where he's at. He meets Peter where he's at. And he fixes him breakfast. He doesn't just fix him breakfast. He says, come eat with me. Come commune with me. Come be a part of me. He provided for him physically and mentally. He gives the disciples for the third time a reminder. I am the one who has defeated the power of death and sin. He then singularly points to Peter and says, do you love me? Peter says each time, yes, you know I love you. Jesus says to Peter and to me and to you today, it's not too late. It's not too late to show me that you love me. All you got to do is follow me. If you love me, don't just say it. Don't just hear my voice. Don't just follow me around. 
but actually do what I've commanded you to do. My buddy Skip Crawford was a man that above all else followed, aimed to follow Jesus in word and deed. I'll miss my friend, but I'll see him again because he told me who Jesus was. And I'm going to keep following Jesus. And I'm going to keep listening to Jesus and doing what He's commanded. You see, Skip's gone home to be with the Lord. His spirit is with the Lord, but he waits for Christ's return just like we do. Just like living believers do. For on that day, the bodies of those that are dead in Christ will rise. And those that are living will meet Him in the air with Christ. We will be with the Lord just as God showed us His glorified body. Just as He has risen from the dead, so will those who believe in Jesus Christ. We'll be delivered from the power of death. There will be no presence of sin, and we will live a life of flourishing and abundance that this world has never seen. We'll be given a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be no more shame, no more regret, no more sin. So whether this is the first time that you've heard Jesus calling you, like Luke chapter 5, or you've walked with Him for a long while, maybe you've forgotten how precious it is to draw near to your Savior. Jump out of the boat! Come have breakfast. He's graciously offering by the power of His Word until the day He calls us home when He's going to share with us the wedding feast of the Lamb at the King's table. He's reserved a seat for you. You're known by King Jesus. He invites you daily to know Him more. Let's pray. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. God the Father, You are so loving, so caring, so just, so wise, so powerful. And all You're governing. That You pay attention to to the slightest details like our hunger, like our worry, like our doubts, like our fears. And if we're willing to listen to the voice of Jesus, to the powerful, all-preserving, all-saving, all-loving, all-caring Word, perfect Word of Jesus, if we will just do what You've called us to do, You will provide our every need. Oh God, I'm so grateful for Jesus this morning. I pray that we will run off the bow of the boat and come have breakfast with you today. It's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.